0: Hey, guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Yes, it is free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody, this is Harriet Westmore with the More Wine and Music podcast, the podcast where I discuss different genre over a glass of wine. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about Fats Waller, so stay tuned. How are you? Happy Friday. It is Friday, July 30th, 2021. Tomorrow is my son's my youngest and only son's birthday. He'll be 24 years old, which means I am getting old, getting older. All right. Um before we get into tonight's episode, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping please um, subscribe to the more wine and music podcast um, website also by um, the accessories and the coffee mugs and t-shirts that are online to help support the podcast. Also, if you want to um, another way to support is to buy me a coffee.com backslash more wine music. You can, um, do a contribution there. I would really appreciate it. This would help me to um, keep bringing in good content. Also help bring in, um, hopefully some, bring in some guests. So I would appreciate your support. All right. So I'm going to go in tonight for episode number five. I'm going to be talking about Fats Waller. Fats Waller is one of the early um, jazz artists. And um, he has made a um, impression on uh, the jazz genre. And I'm sure everybody have either or familiar with the song Ain't No Misbehaving, which is one of the songs that he had written. And it, he was also uh, a regular comedian on um, radio show. But who was he prior to becoming famous? Thomas Wright, a.k.a. Fats Waller, was born on May 21st, 1906 in New York City. His father, Edward Waller, was a Baptist minister, and he had hoped that his son would follow his footsteps and become a um, minister as well. Thomas was different as far as other musicians because he actually was tutored to learn to read and write music. His mother, and he actually came from a musical family. His father wasn't, I'm sorry, his grandfather was actually an accomplished um, violinist. And his mother, Adeline, she was um, a vocalist and also was a choir member of the church. So she um, particularly um, nourished Thomas's, um, desire to play music. So she made sure that her son got the best, um, lessons that he wanted. And in the beginning he played the organ. So he, um, was learned to read and write music and play the organ. But after hearing for some, I don't know how, but after hearing um, a piece of uh, jazz music, or, or at least the beats, that that was it. That was the bug that he, that he has received. He got the bug. He got the jazz bug and wanted to go a different direction than what his father had hoped for him to go, in which he wanted to continue on to play jazz. So at the age of 15, he dropped out of school. And he began to play the organ at the Lincoln Center. Um, His mom passed away around, or around, or either right before 1920. And um, after the death of his mom, who was a big influence on him, he left home and moved in with his tutor, the person who actually helped um, hone in in playing um, the organ. um, Who was he was Russell Brooks. And from there, once he moved in with Mr. Brooks, he switched from playing the organ to playing the piano. Um, While living with um, Russell Brooks, he was connected to and met with um, another uh, two, actually great jazz pianists, which was um, James P. Johnson and Willie Smith. Both of them took um, Lil Thomas under their wings and kind of mentored him. And um, that's how he actually advanced his level of playing music. In 1923, Thomas made his debut as an artist for OK Records. From there, he began to start recording different piano excerpts or different pieces for the QRS company. By 1926, his career really started to excel, and he signed to RCA Victor label, and recorded a number of hits such as "The Jitterbug Waltz," "The Honeysuckle Rose," and "The Joint Is Jumping." These are the songs, among others, that made him that solidify him as a valid songwriter. Um, and as those songs came out. He was actually, you know, the request was coming in. They really wanted him to come in and do different projects and actually um, record and write music for different uh, musical projects and shows. So he was actually kept busy. Thomas was, um, at this point, because of his notoriety and his large, he had a larger than life personality. He was the life of the party and he was actually a big man. So that's where he got the nickname Fats. So from here on out, I'm starting to call, I'll call him Fats. Fats was, like I said, he would play at different um, venues, different parties in New York, he would play at, um, you can see him and other um, jazz artists would play at these whole old Harlem rent parties. And if anybody doesn't, is not familiar with Harlem rent parties, these were parties that were neighborhood parties that local performers would get together and perform um, shows to help pay for a neighbor who was maybe financially strapped for paying their rent or whatever, or couldn't pay their bills. So the neighborhood would come together and hold these type of little parties to raise money to help their neighbor that's in need, which is something that, you know, is kind of fall by the wayside now. I mean, you can tell there was, it was a very, Harlem was a uh, tight knit community. Um, Neighbors looked out after Each other, and if one neighbor was falling on hard times, you know they would get together and do what they can to help that neighbor, and that includes um, raising money by having these parties. And these, and it kind of reminds me of um, the episode on um, Sanford and Son when Fred and Lamont they were hard up on um, their bills or something, so they decided to have this uh, what they call a rent party and so they would charge a dollar at the door and have this all-night party but of course you know these type of parties also attract you know hood gangsters or whatever but i mean i I just i i digress it just reminds me when you said the the harlem rent parties that kind of remind me of that particular episode as being a bigger than life type of person Fats was a big uh, drinker. He loved alcohol. And of course, with alcohol and partying, he also loved women. And he had his chair of a female company. So um, so he enjoyed all that. So he, he was uh, larger than life. By the late 20s, Fats became a New York... Um, host of a radio show called the paramount parade and a record i'm sorry a radio roundup uh show and this was from 1930 to 1931 and he also became a host of a city cincinnati-based um rhythm and blues club um show that was based out of cincinnati And that was from 1932 to 1934. In 1935, Fats appeared in two Hollywood films called Hooray for Love and King of Burlesque. However, as his fame was spreading, he started to become disillusioned and disenchanted because he became known as the Comedian. His work was, you know, his shows up until this point was, you know, based on comedy skits and, you know, corny stuff like that. And he really wanted to be known as a serious um, artist. I think, you know, he got played out of of that, you know, dog and pony show type of performance and playing in these clubs, you know, as a comedian. and stuff. He wanted a little more than that. And so he um, he took a trip out of America and went to trip to England in 1938. And it was there he recorded the um, composition for the London Suite. In 1943, Waller returned to Hollywood and he filmed and recorded and composed the music for the movie Stormy Weather, which we all know is from uh, with Lena Horne. So he wrote the song Stormy Weather for um, Lena Horne and Bill Robertson. Upon returning from New York, returning to New York from Hollywood, uh, he began to write other songs, another song, which was called um, Early to Bed. So he was nonstop from the time he was 15 up until the early 40s. And throughout his career, you know, he always maintained a heavy schedule. And as always, as we all know, when you are not taking care of yourself and you maintain this ragged, you know, schedule of playing here, playing there, you know, moving here, moving there you know, your health starts to decline. And the fact that he was a big man, so he wasn't um, healthy as far as his weight and the lifestyle that he was um, living by being on the road on the time. So it eventually caught up with him. Uh, In late 1944, after returning back to New York from the West Coast, he got sick with bronchitis and eventually that bronchitis um settled into pneumonia and that actually took his life so he died in um kansas city in on december 15th 10 days before christmas in 1943 so that is the story of fats waller like i said fats waller was a um instrumental to the jazz genre because he created a lot of um musical pieces for the a lot of the shows and he actually was a person that actually knew how to read and write music compose music so that was something new unique about him so that's fats waller so again a lot of these early artists their biography is not long Because they just, you know, a lot of their early years are not really known because it's not really written. They only, you know, go by once they became famous and what they're famous for is the songs that they were famous for. But as far as their earlier life, it's not really known, which is why a lot of these um, biography people that I talk about, you know, it's a short piece. But there you have it. Now, next week, I'm going to switch gears and talk about a female. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to talk about male, you know, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity. So I've got to talk about a female um, jazz artist. And this one, I'm going to talk about, her name is Lil Hardin Armstrong. And if you recognize the last name Armstrong, yes, she is related. Well, she was related to Louisville, um, Louisville. Louis Armstrong she was actually his first her his first wife so and she um, made her mark on um, the jazz scene by her own right so we're going to talk about her Um, you don't hear about her I guess because you know Louis you know her husband overshadowed you know with him everybody knows who Louis Armstrong was but little is known about his first wife and how much she contributed to um as one of the first she was actually one of the first female jazz instrumentalists so she made her mark in the jazz music herself so that's what i'm going to be talking about in episode six next friday so thank you for joining us and once again please support the podcast um go on to buymeacoffee.com backslash more wine music and contribute, um, give a donation to help keep this podcast going. Um, Again, like I always say, I I enjoy history and I enjoy talking about um, music and how many people, especially African-American people, have made a contribution to American music. So please consider donating, um, buymeacoffee.com backslash more wine and music, or you can go to www.morewineandmusicpodcast.com. Actually it's morewineandmusic.com. And there you can buy t-shirts and coffee mugs and things like that. And that's also will help support the podcast. So you guys have a good week. I will talk to you next week. Take care. Bye sound stride